0: Welcome to the New Books Network.
1: Hello, this is Lily Gorin with the New Books Network, the New Books and Political Science podcast. Today I am joined by Patricia Saldariaga and Emmy Manini, who are authors of an interesting, fascinating new book called Infected Empires, Decolonizing Zombies. This book was published by Rutgers University Press in 2022. And it is really a useful understanding of the idea of zombies and how we can think about them um, as understandings of politics um and history and imperialism and slavery but i'm going to let um emmy and patricia talk about that i'd like to welcome both emmy and patricia to the new books network and ask them each to tell us a little bit about themselves and how they came to this particular project hello hi um. hello
2: Mm-hmm. So I am Patricia Saldariaga, and I started as a specialist of the Spanish Baroque, actually, which means sixteenth and seventeenth centuries, but I've always enjoyed visual culture, especially painting and cinema. So I have been teaching about connections in visual culture between the Baroque and contemporary art. So it turns out that since the Middle Ages, but especially in the Baroque painting emphasize this transition from life to death and the apocalypse in general. So the same way the spectators used to confront their own death while watching a painting of a skull, spectators of a zombie movie are forced to think about their own death when watching zombie cinema. So this connection is actually what inspired me to study more contemporary representations of the apocalypse, including zombies. So our book looks at zombies as a transnational phenomenon, considering a selection of movies from all over the world and paying attention to issues such as race, gender, the environment, capitalism, ableism, globalization, etc., So we found that there is an obsession with the apocalypse in popular culture, and we decided to investigate how this is represented in the zombie genre. What do zombies have to do with current politics, as you said, and how these fictional narratives can have an effect on spectators?
3: Yeah. <clears throat> sorry excuse me um so i my name is emmy manini and um i am an independent scholar um my degree is in um spanish and uh, romance languages and literature and um after uh getting my phd i worked for about a decade in a local um university the university of Puget sound private school and um About a decade ago, I left uh, teaching and decided to study, do my research independently. Um, So um, Patricia and I actually went to the same graduate school and we met there. And while we were there, Patricia has been talking about um, her noticing themes of apocalypse. We wrote together a paper on the Byzantine iconoclasts. And um, the paper did well, and we really enjoyed working together. We bring different views to our projects, but they mesh very well. So um, about 10 years after graduate school ended, we decided to revisit the paper and publish it. And from there, we, as Patricia has already mentioned, we found references to apocalypse everywhere in literature, video games, cinema, etc., and um, had very ambitious ideas of of what we could do with those themes and eventually decided that we were going to narrow our focus to cinema to make it easier to write about and to be able to use some cinematic theory and cinema studies and then again to narrow it even further to a zombie-style apocalypse and the figure of the zombie that we found to be a really fitting metaphor for
1: a lot of things that we're seeing in the world today. And so let's start with the zombies. Um, <laughs> because I, I, as I was saying before, I, I'm not a huge fan of horror movies, um, but I understand that there is a lot in horror that really talks about politics. Um, and, and that the zombies in particular as a an idea, as a figure, um, as part of the, the overall narrative is really important to think about in terms of what a zombie is and, and sort of how they're situated. Um, and you all do an excellent job sort of getting to the heart of where this idea of zombies started and how it sort of has a... A, um, an American, not just the United States, North and South American sort of origin and positionality. Um, so can you start us there?
2: Yeah. Um, zombies are very popular in contemporary society, not only in the United States and the American continent, but also globally, I would say. And I think that there are many reasons why they are so popular. but I think that nowadays zombies represent fears and affects of our 21st century society. So zombies are a metaphor that represents the other. In in talking about horror, I think they are embodied as cannibal monsters. Zombies display our own biopolitics in a visceral way. We can visually confront the way we treat minority groups, the way we treat women, the way biopolitics in general uh, works, including politics on health, the environment, border security, immigration. They all have an effect on the population. So zombies actually represent us humans that have suffered from our own politics and have been exploited or even killed So, in other words, I think that zombies are political subjects, political monsters that resist, rebel against injustices, but zombies can also represent power, colonial power, white power, right? And if we think about about it, cinema makes victims of neoliberalist societies really visible. And this is one of the key elements why we chose cinema, right? But the popularity of the zombie genre is also linked to the influence of the last book of the Bible, the Apocalypse, right? And I think it was Umberto Eco who said that that book uh, has been the most influential of our times in general. And uh, the book describes everything, the throne of God with all the spiritual figures, the end of the world, the second coming of Christ and the new world. But... As many critics have stated, once we buy the promises in the afterlife and the idea of redemption, we're kind of enslaved into a specific kind of life and a specific behavior that determines our present and our future, right? Uh, But for me personally, the most important thing is how we look into these narratives of the end of the world. Um, in our book, read zombies as an opportunity for a new futurity in which we can visualize a new world that is not attached to a reproductive, ableist, heterosexual future that centers human. Right, um, but some people might think that popular culture is just fun and does ha- doesn't have any political content. And zombies are metaphor, or as Bruce LaBruce says in one of his porno, zombie movies. (laughs) Zombies are empty signifiers and to which we can adhere any political agenda. So from the very beginning, zombie movies are linked to exploitation, slavery, human trafficking, to the zombification of women, especially of white women. So this shows how power works and how it is regulated by our own government, right? how badly black people are treated and how the government does not do anything to protect women. Amy, would you like to continue? Yeah,
1: yeah,
3: yeah. yeah. Um, that I've, A few things to add to that. Uh, first of all, your question uh, addressed why we chose horror. And I think that um, Patricia has pointed out that popular culture is a reflection of, 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 what's going on in our world today, as you well know with your work um, in the Marvel universe, you know, um, I think that you can take these, these figures and especially I believe in horror films, because they elicit such a visceral reaction from the spectator, you can communicate not only thoughts and ideas and philosophies, but feelings in a way that really mirror um, what's going on in the body of the spectator. When they watch horror, it's, it's very much tied to experience. We have reactions to horror movies. Um, and then, yeah, uh, the, as far as, as zombies being it specifically tied to, um, colonialism and the Americas writ large North and South America, and especially in the Caribbean, um, it's due down to the fact that, that, uh, the, idea of the zombie, uh, comes from the idea of the Haitian zombie, um, the practice of voodoo in Haiti. And the, the, the figure itself is, um, seen to be, uh, a a, a human, a subject that has been bewitched somehow by either a poison or by magic that will steal the soul of the subject and make it available for manual labor and abuse. And I think clear, it's very clear that this is a, a a metaphor for, uh, the sort of, uh, social death that you experience in slavery. And it's very interesting that it comes from Haiti, which was a country in which the black population rose up and instituted their own country. Um, and so we also mentioned the, um, The intervention of William Seabrook, who was a a travelogue writer um, in, I can't quite remember the year, do you Patricia? Um,
2: 1929, he published his novel, The Magic Island in 1929.
3: The Magic Island describes zombies in a way that is exoticizing and also titillating. And right from there, Hollywood jumped on it and we get the first zombie films. I walked with a zombie and I actually, the first one was um, a white zombie. Um, So in a way, Hollywood then takes and commodifies and colonializes the whole idea of this, this um, voodoo uh, monster in a way that's uh, easy to digest for the white American Hollywood audience. And from there it spreads across the world as cinema and art does in popular culture, especially. Um, it's also very tied to the idea of colonialism because as Patricia, uh, mentioned, it's a, it's a monstrified cannibal figure. Um, and the idea of, uh, cannibalism is very closely tied to, um, the, uh, discovery of discovery, I say in giant air quotes, of uh, the Americas, uh, the indigenous peoples that were already here were seen by Columbus in particular to um, be savages, bereft of souls that were literally empty vessels into which they could pour any kind of uh, fears and also empty vessels that they could use for labor. Um, and uh, they were seen as potentially cannibals. And so the idea of uh, cannibal monster is very much related to that. And the idea of the soulless human, the, 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 the indigenous people who, who needed to somehow develop a soul by being indoctrinated into Christianity. Um, and again, so relating to what Patricia just said, Um, This idea of apocalyptic last judgment is very much very uh, connected to to uh, the zombies who rise up from the dead. Um, But also the idea that that uh, Christianity has to be imposed for us to be able to understand how that can happen.
1: Um, And so I I wanted to ask the, the next question is that the zombies are obviously associated with cannibalism because they consume other people. Um, but there's also this um understanding, as you point out so much throughout the book, with regard to how zombies embody the other. Um, and and again, you just mentioned the fact that the the application to the people who were in the Americas by um, European discoverers, um was also about imposing Christianity. It was about imposing a European way of life. It was about imposing and using these bodies for enslaved labor. Um, And so all of these come together into this idea of, you know, what the zombie signifies. But I was particularly taken with your argument with regard to how they zombies as characters in these narratives are operating as an other in sort of capital. O. um,
3: yeah, I think that they, they operate as an other in many different levels. Um, zombies, we see zombies as racialized for reasons that have to do with coloniality and for, um, reasons that have to do with their origins. But also it's it's pretty clear to see in a lot of these films that zombies are seen as a horde of invaders who come across borders. Um, zo- and so it also has a xenophobic element. So they're racialized. They're otherized in a sense of uh, being foreign. Um, they are also um, seen as... In the sense, disabled, right? They have, they are missing parts of their bodies, or they don't operate in a way that we can understand. Um, so they are otherized in that sense as well. Um, so I think, yeah, they 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 also are otherized in the sense that they often represent uh, the laboring poor or the um, the. The sort of victims of late stage capitalism, um, in that they uh, are bereft of possessions; they their only their only concern is is uh, a sort of a bare existence of consuming and surviving. Um, so that's just a few of the ways that we see them as other
2: and um i would add that that's uh, as you have mentioned this idea is linked to uh coloniality right um uh, b- basically when when um the um discover when when the the so called discovery of the americas took place a lot of structures change for the native population. So everything changed. Basically, uh, uh, new structures were imposed in which power was given to whites, Colonizers brown new languages, a new approach to sciences, new knowledge and in, in, uh, basic native knowledge and science were dismissed. People uh, of color and women were exploited and even bur- murdered. So, these structures of racism and sexism were established. And unfortunately, those structures remain until now. So, and, and everyone that doesn't fit to this white uh, and uh, heterosexual perspective of the work are considered. The other are considered the savages, right? So we talk about coloniality to refer to those structures, to those colonial structures that remain in the 21st century. So in order to get rid of those colonial structures, there is a need to decolonize our society. So in the book, we are trying to not only to decolonize zombies by by showing how much they are rooted in a long philosophical Western tradition based on the separation of the body of the soul, for example, but also in terms of what zombies really represent, what they do that resists colonial structures. So we're trying, in the book, we're trying to reveal those colonial structures like exploitation and slavery.
3: Yeah, we we actually, if I could add on to that, we we the title of the book "Decolonizing Zombies" has a sort of a double meaning for us. In that, we hope that through writing this book, we decolonize this colonized subject, but also in the fact that the zombie is a decolonizing entity. It it is an iconoclastic and apocalyptic entity. It breaks down what exists. And sometimes, as we are seeing, in order to build something else up, sometimes just to expose the, the defects of what actually exists. Um, so, yeah, we, we see that that we, we strangely have a kind of uh, affinity or a, a positive view of what zombies could bring, which is, I think, a little bit revolutionary, if I do say so. <laughs>
2: And and talking about cannibalism that you mentioned, I think that's very linked uh, to colonial history as well. Also, cannibalism in the zombie genre starts only with Romero in 1968. So that's very important to keep in mind. Before Romero, zombies were not cannibals. But beginning with Romero, they are cannibals. But Romero never said actually why his zombies were cannibals, right? But I think that the fact that zombies appeared in the Caribbean yeah, is also another reason to consider colonial history. Uh, it was Christopher Columbus who used the word cannibals to describe people from the Antilles, uh, from that region, and he denominated this group as savages. So according to historians, this history was based on a linguistic confusion something similar to the origin of the word Indians like to describe native North and Latin Americans who were still called the Indians right but uh, according to historians again I, in in, um, in Arawak right the native language of the region the word caniba uh, was a kind of corruption of Cariba, means bold so Arawaks call themselves bold people or Caniba. so when they conquerors heard that word, they associated caniba with the monsters that they were in their European imaginary, especially with the dog-headed man and the one-eyed cyclope beast, right, who ate human flesh. So Columbus understands canis as dogs following this Latin route, right, and associates this with these Cynocephalus monsters. But not only that, he also thought that he was approaching the western coast of Asia and thought that the name was right because of the reputation of the Great Khan, the first emperor of the Mongols. So he concluded that Kanibas, the people from the region, were the same people of the Great Khan who killed and ate the others. So he basically invented a new term based on his own imaginary. And for centuries, we have believed that those stories were true based on a huge enterprise of visual culture created throughout centuries that followed uh, Columbus' interpretation.
1: So Columbus is once again totally misguided and didn't know what he was talking about. Is that correct? Right. And here we are. Still relevant. (laughs) Of course, here we are. Um, Yeah. So I I wanted to talk a little bit about, because again, you are writing this really fascinating analysis of the sort of visual history of of zombies. Um, and, you know, I don't know some of the films. I do know some of them. Um, and there's a lot of transnational representation because, as you note, this idea has spread far and wide uh, because it does capture our sort of understanding of monsters um, and gets to the heart of what we often think about when we think about the apocalypse or the end of the world. Um, but I wanted to ask a little bit about the idea of how the cannibal, the, not the cannibal, the zombie fits into our understanding of um, capitalism and neoliberalism, because that is also a lot of what you're leaning into in some of this discussion, because we have both a fear and an adulation for capitalism, but it is destructive of human beings um and you know it's it's sort of commensurate neoliberalism which is also in that same space um so how does the zombie idea and thesis fit into sort of these fears about and yet embrace of capitalism
3: i'll start this one (laughs) um i have a few uh ways to approach this um first of all we talk about uh, the origins of the zombie in slavery and chattel slavery was a capitalist model it was idea of using humanity as commodity and um it it so it's deeply ingrained into who the zombie is to begin with. Um, then um, there are other ways in which capitalism is destroying the world, the environment, um, the effects of capitalism, the the ec- ecological disasters that are um, as a result of extractivism around the world, pollution, fossil fuels, etc., this also con- contributes to our idea of the apocalypse that is impending. Um, we also, um, see, I, I, I also, there's also a reading of Marx in the, in the, in the book, um, in the sense that, um, possessions, commodities are seen as the result according to Marx of dead labor. It is the idea that the, the labor, the vitality that, uh, worker, paid or unpaid, puts into uh, producing a product is still within the product, even though it's dead, and it is part of its use value. Um, There's the idea of the laboring class, or uh, what we now post-COVID call essential workers, as a resource, literally a human resource, um, to be managed and to be Priced and to be sold and to be bought. Um, also, there's we have this idea of uh, necrocapitalism uh, I, that I read from uh, the critic James Tyner, um, in the sense that there are certain populations, it, whether it is because of race or class or the the work that they do, that are deemed as more disposable. In um, a sort of biopolitical or even, as we say, necropolitical uh, effect, that that their um, lives are endangered either by bad working conditions or by um, a lack of infrastructure where they live or their proximity to um, destructive, polluting um, in- industries um, that are seen as less human in a way that is zombifying. They are less human. They are commodities, and we see in a lot of these zombie films um, the use of the undead as labor, still in a modern world. Not necessarily, I mean, it's still a slavery metaphor. There are movies such as Fido. uh, There's a number of them where they're used as a resource. They're somehow... Uh, altered so that they're no longer violent and no longer have aggression and they're given a job and they just mindlessly do it until they're completely worn out. So the zombie as like a, a a, a victim of, of bad labor practices is alive and well, and it absolutely exists in our sort of imaginary of what zombies are.
2: And throughout the book, we also use the concept uh, by the Mexican scholar Sayak Valencia called gore capitalism. And the term gore comes from cinema and it refers to bloody and violent situations. So for Valencia, who is a Tijuana activist, gore capitalism emphasizes a stage of neoliberalism in which corpses are the new commodities of our times, right? So basically, the more you kill, the more money you make. And death has become a spectacle from which some profit and we as consumers take part in that spectacle. So we apply this concept because this is exactly what happens in this kind of zombie and bloody economy.
1: And, and so I, I next wanted to ask you because, I, I mean, you have a whole chapter obviously, on on the, the issue of z- zombies and capitalism. Um, but it was the next chapter that I was really taken with. Um, and uh, I have a number of colleagues who are working on this idea of sort of the, the superhero crip. Um, but you have a really fascinating reading of zombies um, as both queer and crip. Can you talk about how this idea of this, you know, sort of undead um, fits into our, our understanding of ableism, our understanding of the powers of the, quote, disabled, um, and also this notion of what is queer?
2: Absolutely. 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 Um- Zombies can be considered disabled subjects. And, for example, their cognitive capacity is limited. They walk with difficulties. But I think that it is precisely the impossibility of the zombies to engage in productive labor or heterosexual reproduction that makes zombies a different model to pay attention to. So, for example, they don't follow capitalist chrononormativity. They don't go to work. They don't produce in the classical sense. And we, living in, in ableist societies, usually makes us connect ableism with full cognitive capacity and disability with mental issues. So, well, we have been culturally influenced by the way we conceive of a perfect body. Yeah, Since the Renaissance and the invention of linear perspective and the notion of golden or divine proportions, we have been made to believe that there is an ideal way for bodies to appear. So if they differ from this kind of Mona Lisa prototype, we consider these bodies as aberrant and even obscene. So these bodies become disabled just because of the way they look. So yeah, um, we understand disability as part of the notion of creep time. Creeping zombies means to understand the relationship between disability, race, gender, and be able to adjust to their needs. So it is not that disabled people need to adjust to ableist society, it's just the opposite. As For example, as Alison Kafer points out, at one point in our lives, we will all get some kind of disability, right? And if we were to consider disability as the norm and ability as the exception, then we would live in a real creep time that would accommodate our zombie-like bodies, right? But I would also say that we need to look at zombies' disability in conjunction with their queerness and their evolution with the within the genre, right? So uh, zombies are also queer subjects in many different ways. Uh, for example, they f- usually feel attracted to any kind of uninfected bodies, regardless of gender, class, age, social status. Yeah? In the end, they are some kind more democratic than many other monsters because they don't mind whose flesh it is that they desire, right? Uh, Again, zombies do not adhere to capitalist chrononormativity. They don't earn a salary. They just consume uninfected bodies. And we use the notion of queer temporality because it usually refers to actions, practices, feelings, attitudes, sensations of gender, sex that conflict with socially legitimized norms. And we can certainly affirm that zombies are also subjects of queer temporality, in terms of the way they eat, for example. They don't sit at a table to eat. The most recognizable act is when a group of zombies sits on the ground to devour a human. They don't process the food either, so they don't urinate or defecate. Female zombies do not menstruate either, or at least we don't see that. In, in the in the movies, right? So, as a, as a critic has said, some are also pornographic because they expose their internal organs to the exterior. They show us everything uh, that 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 they have inside, right? Um, uh, and many of us find them obscene. But I think that what is also queer about zombies, and this is important, is that they show us a different kind of futurity that doesn't depend on on the idea of the child. They reproduce not by means of a penis and a vagina, but through the penetration of the teeth in the body of the other. So that's how they reproduce. And for example, for critics like Mel Chen, what zombies transmit is not a cloning of themselves, but the state of disability. And of course, this disability has changed throughout history. The evolution of the zombie genre shows that there are different kinds of disabilities.
3: Yeah, if I can add on to that, I think I think one of the major ways that we understand uh, the zombie as um, uh, queer or crip is that they completely upend the idea of, as Patricia has mentioned, the social reproduction. Um, so as they reproduce, um, they do not need require the patriarchal ideal of a, a, a man and a woman and a child to be able to have a future the social reproduction sort of pattern is completely destroyed and they have this alternative reproduction of 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 their ideas and one of the movies that we notice this happening in is um Uh, movie by Bruce LaBruce was called Otto um, or Up With Undead People. And in it, um, the idea of this movie is that there have been several waves of zombies that come and go, and they've always sort of been put down and uh, annihilated. But then there's this last wave of zombies that are gay zombies. They are identified as gay zombies. And so um, they're, and they are they form a sort of a political faction they 're referred to as the purple peril, and obviously, I think that there are AIDS metaphors going on in this movie, but also the idea that there it can be a futurity, that there can be um, a future, a family, a going forward that has nothing to do with the traditional family unit, nuclear family, and that there is a different way of being, and that it is the future.
1: And, and that was one of the things that I was really taken with in terms of thinking about how zombies are characterizing a kind of future that you discussed throughout the book. Um, and, and I also wanted to ask you about this comment that you make toward in the conclusion, um, that they, zombies are seen as a cultural logic of fear and can be used to face our own monstrosity. The genre therefore reflects upon the anxieties of twenty first century society when faced with alteral, alterity and otherness. Um, so I, I wanted to ask about how, I mean, I understand how the zombie characterizes, you know, the problem of the climate change, um, and obviously with regard to consuming ourselves in capitalism. Um, but you also talk about how they really are this opening for us to sort of face our own fears when we are in the theater, when we sort of give ourselves over to the cinematic experience, um, and that horror movies in general, but particularly zombie movies provide us with that avenue to sort of confront not only fear of death, but sort of our broader fears. Can you talk about how the zombie idea sort of embodies that and, and how we think about it when we think about zombies or are in a movie theater?
3: Um, I think, I think that that has a lot to do with, um, as you mentioned, our look at zombies as a future. And obviously I think for the average listener or reader, they, they say all this book is talking about how our, this is our zombie future. And that sounds terrifying. But, um, like you say, I think that the idea of the zombie causes so much anxiety because of fears of a post-human future. And by post-human, I don't necessarily mean that, um, humanity will cease to exist and, uh, we only unimaginable monsters will exist after that, and it certainly isn't a desire for humanity to cease to exist. What we're talking about is a post Anthropocene future, a, a, a future in which, um, the man or humans as the center of the world is not working and is changing our physical. Planet and also, it is coming to a point, especially in terms of uh, national national interactions and and uh, late capitalism, that we're going to begin to eat ourselves metaphorically. You no, know? we are going to gobble ourselves up, and things will change. Um, and I think I think that that when we talk about posthumanism, we're talking about a post enlightenment humanism, uh, a um, post-enlightenment humanism that centers heteronormativity, uh, Eurocentrism, um, uh, patriarchy as the center, as, as the basis for our life. And so when we're in the movie theater and we see that the world has ended and the houses are empty and there's no more produced food left, and we're all on our own and who will be our allies and how are we going to go forward? Not only are we confronting our anxieties about what we all think is about to happen or about to happen in the next couple of decades, but we're also looking at it in a way where we have to imagine what would we do, right? Uh, We talk about the critic Eva Horn, who looks at um, the idea of catastrophe and the way that it's presented Um, in literature and film as something that has already happened. So we can look at a apocalyptic or a post-apocalyptic film, like a zombie movie and look at the coming catastrophe in sort of the future perfect. This will have already happened. Where are we going to go from there and how will humanity evolve? How will we change our ideas of humanity and what it means to be human and what it means to be in nature and coexist with nature Um, and, and, that causes a lot of anxiety, and especially um, yeah. populations that cling to the way things have been. But we believe that the zombie indicates, as part of our pop cultural imaginary, that change is coming. So what will we do now?
2: And when watching horror cinema, especially zombies, um I think that uh, those movies also emphasize something that is called globality. It's a kind of condition uh, that exposes the way we are interconnected with the global world in terms of our economy, environment, cultural, politics. And it is kind of, um, it it, it, it produces some some anxieties as well, right? Uh, There is a movie, for example, Uh, called Ojuju, produced in 2019 by director C.J. Obasi. And uh, in that movie, people are infected because of water pollution. But when we think in terms of globality, right, in our global world, what happens in a small place, in an isolated place, has to be understood in connection to our global interdependence in environmental terms. So, and as as some experts on on globalization have put it, we are all interconnected by the the air we breathe and the water we drink. So in a way, zombie narratives also make the, the concept of borders somehow irrelevant, right? Political and geographical borders are not enough to contain a virus. We have seen it during COVID-19 and how the virus spread in spite of border security and health measures. So, uh, in this new empire that we call empire, following hard time negri, meaning globalization, we are all interconnected, and that's scary sometimes too.
3: Yeah, and uh, I would add to that that not only does environmental um, effects break down borders because we are all affected by everything that happens in every other country and the spreading of disease like COVID-19 break down international borders because we are all interconnected. But the idea of capital also breaks down international borders, nationalism and nationalisms are less important now than multinational corporations and supranational entities. And the way that, that our new empire is about, Money and sometimes the commodification of war, um, constant state of war that we find ourselves in. Um, I think that ultimately the the idea that that the zombie is such a an, an interesting figure for us in this day and age is. Patricia began by quoting Bruce LeBruce about the zombie as an empty signifier. Another director who, um, Robin Aubert, who um, a Canadian director who who. He's Quebecois and he uh, directed a movie called Ravenous. I think it was from 2019, I believe. I'm not quite sure. He says, everyone knows that when you make a zombie movie, you're just making a movie about humanity. And I think that's what it is.
1: And, And that was sort of what I was also learning from thinking about zombies as I was reading your book is, you know, we see them as monsters and yet they're us. Um, and, and so they, they represent, um, you know, all of these concerns and anxieties and fears um, that we have as humans. You know, what, what does it mean to have your labor exploited? Um, you know, what, what does it mean that you, you, you know, you sort of eat other people? <laughs> when, you know, when we see capitalism sort of destroying other people in order to produce the goods. Um, so I I was very engaged with the book and I thank you for it. Um, and I wanted to ask both of you what it is you're working on now.
2: Yeah, we are currently working on a book on female monsters in global cinema as well, and we are actually looking into different ways that women have been monstrified. So we are studying monsters like ghosts, witches, cannibals. So the problem is once the monster has been created, there is a need to eliminate it. And we usually use superheroes to kill these monsters. So, and women are dying all over the world. So we hope to raise awareness of the way in which cultural productions influence and reflect World violence, right? Real world violence, and therefore showing a path to reducing it.
3: Yeah, we're pretty really excited about it. We're right in the middle of uh, writing chapters, and um, it's it's it also like the zombie book. I think is is a uh, we hope that it will have a commentary on uh, many many levels of uh, of society.
1: Well, I look forward to reading it, um, and I would love to talk to the two of you once it comes out we would love that as well all right sounds yes, like a deal absolutely. sounds like a deal mm-hmm. um thank you so much patricia and emmy for talking to me about infected empires decolonizing zombies published by rutgers university press in 2022 where can somebody get a hold of this fabulous book I would say
3: I would say that the best place is probably the website of Rutgers University Press. It is available there.
1: Awesome. Um, thank you, Patricia Saldariga, um and Emmy Manini for joining me on the New Books Network today.
3: Thank you so much. It was a real pleasure.
2: It was a pleasure. Thank you for having us.